Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line right now to be joined by EJ Raddick, the senior reporter for the NHL Network. You can find him on Twitter at EJ Raddick underscore NHL. EJ, we always appreciate the time, man. Let's bring you in on the conversation we were just having about the trade deadline as we're now just a few weeks away. Uh, what are you hearing in terms of the discussions that are taking place right now? Or are things heating up in your mind? Yeah, they have to be because the deadline is March 21st. (laughs) They absolutely are. I think because teams are so up against it cap-wise, I think there's 16 or 17 teams that are right now in LTR, LTIR space, which is, I would think that's probably as many as we've ever seen at one time. And I think that's part and partial because of where we're at with the flat cap over the last couple of years. Um, You know, I get the sense that the teams that are wanting to buy are, are trying to wait and kind of drag it out as best they can because they want as low a cap responsibility as possible. And, of course, things get prorated as with each passing day of the season until we get to those final 40 days. And so, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's definitely there's interest out there. There's some teams. I mean, I think the New York Rangers are in a really fascinating spot because they have about $6 million in cap space. Uh you know, when you look at it, but that, that space um, expands because everything is prorated. And if they don't make a move before the 21st of March on that day, they can literally add roughly $30 million in contracts because everything is prorated down. So I'll be curious to see what Chris Drury does and uh, with the Rangers. And there's some other teams that have that kind of room, Nashville, Minnesota, but you know, that's, in a window for this year on expiring deals that you could acquire. And then of course, next year things start over and new contracts kick in. But uh, yeah, so things are, things are heating up, but I think because of the cap being so tight, you're seeing uh, kind of uh, a delayed reaction here to making moves. EJ with the blues. I mean, it's, it's been well documented that this team does not have much cap space to wiggle around with when it comes to the trade deadline but you know you've seen the history of Doug Armstrong as a general manager in the helm of the St. Louis Blues I mean he strikes you as a guy that's going to be creative and aggressive come March 21st doesn't he yeah I think you know I was it's funny because I just saw Doug last night I saw him earlier in the week because the Blues are in the New York area he's been he was traveling ahead of that uh, he was at the uh Vancouver Devils game on Monday, and he was at the uh, 
He was at the uh, Vancouver Islanders game last night. So that's not, you know, it's, it's one of those things people say, well, guys are at games and scouts are at games. That's what they do. I mean, they're always, they're at games, they're watching games. This time of year, obviously, there might be more intrigue to it, and they might have other, you know, different agendas of looking at different players. But generally speaking, I don't always put a ton into when a guy is at a game because that is their job to be at the game and know what's going on around the league and different teams. So, uh, yeah, I, I do expect Doug to look at it. I mean, for me, when I look at it, I think the Blues 1 through 12 to their forward group are as strong as anybody in the league. I think uh, their goaltenders, obviously, they have Huso playing very well, and they have uh, Bennington, who's been their cup-winning goaltender and the guy that's on a long-term deal and who's played better of late. So that's good news. I think the area that they need to address really is, uh, you know, on the blue line, if they could get a little bigger, a little stronger, a little more experienced back there to help them uh, moving forward in a cup run. That's the area that I think they would try to address. But, you know, those guys are not easy to find, and you have to determine if you're, uh, you know, if you're willing to give up an asset that you value in terms of a high pick or maybe a good young player to, uh, to make a kick at it this year. EJ, the guy that we've talked the most about, I would say, over the last few weeks, so just to, to replace uh, whoever ends up being up there at the, the, the left side defenseman with Colton Pareko, is Ben Sherratt. He, he's a, a big, sturdy defenseman that has had success in the playoffs in the past. Is he, in your mind, the best fit here in St. Louis, or is there somebody else that immediately comes to mind when you're thinking of who could play with Colton Pareko on that top pair? Well, I, I like Sherratt, and I think he fits for – he's a big, strong guy. And he's on an expiring contract, which is good. Uh, he's 3.5 against the cap. Obviously, you prorate that over time, so then you got to start doing the math on it. But uh, he was had a deep playoff run last year, so there's that experience. Um, but just big, strong, kind of hard to play against. Uh, you know, he – all these guys, there's no, you're not talking about getting perfect players. He's going to make mistakes along the way as well. That's going to happen. But I, I, I just think that that's, you know, when St. Louis won the Cup, as you guys know, I mean, they were big and strong and sturdy on the blue line. I mean, they were just hard to play against guys. It wasn't that they were necessarily mean. It was just that they were long and lanky. And you had guys like Edmondson and Petrangelo and, and Boomeister. And, I mean, and to add to Pareko and, and, and the other guys they had back there. So, and, you know, Bortuzzo. I mean, they just – that was kind of, uh, you know, part of their MO and, and what made them successful that year. And I think with the changes they've made to their team, uh, you know, they're still, I think, pretty good on defense, but they're just not as big and strong and hard to play against. And so that's – you know, a guy like Ben Sherrod, I think, would be a really, you know, nice fit. I think there's going to be a lot of teams – that are looking for that type of player to add to the mix. But uh, I do think, you know, especially being a left side guy, I think he'd be a really good fit for to kind of push the blues back into that, uh, you know, having those another one of those guys that is hard to play against, just long and lanky and tough to deal with in the D zone. EJ, the blues have been playing really well since they've returned out of that Olympic and all-star break. Uh, I don't know if, if you would label it this way, but for me, like Colorado's that best team in the West, and then I think it's Calgary and St. Louis. Do you view the Blues that way? And if not, how far off are they from being up there with Colorado? No, I think that you're right. I think Colorado is the best team, and I, I've talked to some executives in the Western Conference who, who you know, they're all kind of in agreement. Now, it doesn't mean necessarily that Colorado's going to win, 
because people have felt Colorado was really good for a couple of years now, but they're really strong. They're, they're having a terrific season. They haven't had too many uh, dents in the armor. I mean, they had another, they had a loss last night to Arizona. Arizona's kind of caught them twice now, but you know, uh, but this is a team. They've got 11 regulation losses in 55 games this year and a 764 points percentage and a plus 64 on the season, uh, which I think is the best in the league. So this is a really good, strong team. And so I think there is a little bit of a, there is a little room in between them and, you know, in Calgary and St. Louis, which are kind of next. Uh, Vegas is really struggling right now. They've had a lot of injury issues there. Eichel is back, but Stone is out. The goaltending is, you know, Leonard came back, but he's been dealing with maybe not 100% right now. So, uh, you know, they're kind of, they're falling out of the picture a little bit. But, I, I you know, I think it is Colorado, and then I think it is St. Louis and Calgary. I agree with that. I like, you know, if it stays the same as it is now, guys, and Minnesota and St. Louis were to meet in the first round, I like that matchup for the Blues. Not to say that Minnesota is not a really good team. I think they've been really impressive this year. But it seems like St. Louis has had Minnesota's number over the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, you don't have to look back that far. You go to the Winter Classic, and St. Louis uh, went in there and did a number on the, the Wild in that game. So the question will be, is if they can get through that series then and, and Colorado is waiting for them there, how do they – how do they deal with Colorado? And that will be the challenge. And that's why I'm sure they're trying to try to go out and add some help on the, on their blue line to be a little bit more competitive, you know, for all the series, but certainly if they were to meet Colorado at some point in the first couple of rounds. EJ, the final question that I've got for you pertains to uh, Claude Giroux, a guy that we've had a lot of conversations yeah. about because uh, there have been some connection between him and uh, the Blues because he, he apparently wants to play for a legitimate contender if possible. He also has a lot of say in the matter because he has the no-movement clause, so he can kind of determine his own fate depending on where he would like to go. EJ, what are you hearing on his potential future with Philadelphia and what do you think the value is going to be in terms of a trade for him, considering he does hold so much of the decision-making in his own hands with that no-move clause? Yeah, I think right now, I think what is happening is that he would like to get to his 1,000th game in Philly, uh, which is going to be, you know, if everything stays as is and he remains healthy and uh, we don't have any issues. Uh, I think that's sometime uh, around St. Patrick's Day, somewhere in there. And after that, I think, uh, you know, he's likely to be moved. Uh, there's always the possibility he decides that he doesn't want to do that, but his contract is expiring. I don't know if, what, the, what the situation is for the Flyers, if they would consider re-signing him or not. They could still move him and then try to re-sign him after. That's still an open door, and it would give the Flyers an opportunity to get some value back. Uh, you know, I think he would go to St. Louis. I think, you know, the, the word on the street sort of is that Colorado, St. Louis, Minnesota are the team. I thought he might be a really good fit in Boston because they haven't really replaced David Krejci there, and I think that would make sense. But he may be one of these guys that would just rather, if he's going to go somewhere else as a rental, maybe go to the West and not have to, you know, be so close to Philly. But um, I, I, you know, I look at the Blues, as I mentioned earlier, guys. I just think they're so good. I mean, the guys are slotted well, and, uh, you know, that, that group of forwards they have there, I don't see that as a real need for them. Now, he's a really good player, and he gives you another, uh, you know, another option for Craig Berube and company up front. But, like, I, I just don't see that as a need. And when I look at their forward group, it's like, where do you wedge them in? 
And I'm sure you could do it. I mean, you know, you could move Barbashev back and move him in somewhere maybe with that with Shannon Cairo because he can play the wing, can play center. He's a real valuable piece. But you talked about limited cap room and, and what it might take. So uh, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. But when I look at it and I look at their roster, I look and I say, hey, we got you got to figure out a way to help that defense be a little bit better. And that would be my main focus. He's EJ Raddick. Find him over on the NHL Network. Give him a follow on Twitter. Eat at EJ Raddick, H-R-A-D-E-K underscore NHL. EJ, we always appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we'll talk with you again soon. All right, you got it.